was raised in a Christian family. I'm the youngest of three brothers, and uh, I accepted Jesus through my heart. Or accepted Jesus through my heart when I was five because I thought that I was going to hell. Um, but when I was seven years old, um, I had a I had some family friends that we call aunt and uncle, and um, my uncle Donnie we would go over to his house and. Uh, we would swim and have some fun and stuff like that, all, all my brothers would. And uh, one day I went over there by myself to swim and stuff because my brothers were doing something. And um, he sexually molested me. Um, I don't exactly remember what happened, but um, I just remember getting in the car and I was ecstatic. I was really happy he didn't know what was going on because I was seven years old. My mom was mortified, so she took me to this place, I mean, it was a box room where I'd sit in a chair and tell them what happened, and I didn't know what was going on. But that just started it all. And uh, it was good for a while. <laughs> and I got into middle school. I had no friends. I got teased about everything. I had some friends, but even they teased me about the way I looked, the way I talked, or how high my voice was, or everything like that. And uh, they would call me gay and queer and all that kind of stuff, and I started to believe it. I started to believe that I was that way, and I hated myself for it. I kind of went away from God. Um, I would find any excuse not to be at school. I would, I would make myself throw up. I would... Um, just do anything. I remember one time I even hit my foot to try to hurt it so I wouldn't have to go to school the next day. And so my dad decided to send me to NCS Northwest Christian. And um, uh, freshman year it was kind of the same. I was the new kid. I was I was uh, the one with the high voice. I was still made fun of. Um, I started having stomach problems, so they would think that I was lying about those. And I was just because of stress and what people were doing to me. And uh, I just kept kept uh, in the sin that I was. left, and uh, I went into a Wednesday chapel uh, for my school, and an old principal was there that I had, I had no idea who he was, and um, he just started speaking and saying his life, and uh, he just spoke, and it hit me, it was all the same stuff that had happened to me, and I just broke down, I was crying out for Jesus because I needed him and I just remember singing how he loves to the top of my lungs, crying my eyes out and hyperventilating kind of and he just said if anyone needs to come talk to me that you can and I just I knew right then that I needed Jesus more than anything and that I need to really give everything up to God and so I did and now I live for him and I live all my life for him and um I'm better because of it. 
the advice I give to anyone struggling with homosexuality is uh, that you should open up because the people that you open up to will be your be your guiding light and of course give it all to God because he's the only one that can help you. And um, just yeah, go to your church. I know they don't talk about it much but they have an insight, they have a they have help that you can get. Breeze, how are you guys doing this morning? Welcome to Youth Sunday. Things are going to be a little bit different, as you see from the worship to the testimonies. Uh, this morning, I kind of want to talk to you guys a little bit about why we do what we do in Backdraft and why do we call it Backdraft. Before I do that, I kind of want to clear a little, a little misunderstanding of what maybe... Does anyone know or did anyone see that 90s movie, Backdraft? If you were born before 2000, I'm assuming you would. So I'm assuming everyone knows what a backdraft is, but there were some people that did not know what backdraft meant. And they're like, backdraft? What is that? To clear things up, it is not a form of crop dusting. Someone told me, they're like, I thought... And you're like, crop dusting? What is crop dusting? Ask a youth and they'll, they'll explain it to you. It happens a lot in our meetings, just so you know. So if you want... Anyways, anyways that's besides the point. It is not a backdraft. Just so you know, that's what a crop dusting is. That's not what it is. Some people are like, what? The world? Why do you call it backdraft? Do you know what a backdraft is? Does someone know? I guess I'll give you the dictionary definition. It is an explosive surge and a fire produced by a sudden mixing of air with other combustible gases. I guess that doesn't help the, the, the gases. We'll take the gases part out. But backdraft, we call it backdraft because we want the students when they walk in the door to explode on fire for Christ. We want them to hear the word of God to see the relationships that are being built and just be on fire and be like, whoa, this Jesus thing is cool and want to tell their friends. Our theme verse for Backdraft is Jeremiah 20, uh, verse 9. And Jeremiah says here, If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot and that is our goal when we want students to come into backdraft. We want them to be weary of holding it in. I don't know if you know the background of that verse of what Jeremiah is going through. He is going through utter chaos. Utter chaos. And he's getting teased for his faith. There's different things that are going on. But he's like, do you know what? I still need to tell the word of God. I need to still tell the truth of God. And that is my passion. That is what I want every student. That's what I want everybody here to understand that it's not about what goes on around there. But what happens inside your heart. And so it is an explosive. And we want the fire. You, we, want, we want them to be weary of holding it in. So how do we get there, I guess, is what I want to explain to you. I want to give you guys some, th- some things that our goals as leaders, as we meet with the students, these are our goals. This is how we want to reach them. And there's five things, and we actually formulated them from the five G's. And if you're new with us and you don't know what the five G's are, you will learn that if you take the Game of Life class every few years. Uh, Pastor Ray will talk about those five G's, or sometimes he mentions them, mentions them in the message. And, um, and I want to kind of clear another thing up, what the five G's are. Five, the five G's are not gangsters, just so you know. The G's. It is not money, five G's, like five grand, because a lot of times people think church is all about money. It is none of those things, but it is, does someone want to name those out for me? Feel free to yell them out. 
genuine. We want people that when they come to, to Desert Breeze to be genuine about their faith. They want them to see Christ and be like, whoa, God is real. They want them to be genuine about their faith. You guys know what the next one is? Growing. When you become genuine in your faith, natural next step, dude, you're going to want to grow in your relationship with him. After growing, what do you guys do next? Giving. And a lot of times people think giving, oh, give money. Oh, that's what they, no, what that's talking about is giving of your time, your talents, and your treasures. Giving of everything that you have to him. You serve one another. What's after giving? Going. I mean, you're going to go out into the world and tell everyone about Jesus. And then what's the next G? Glorifying, knowing it's all for the glory of God. So, because we're backdraft, we turn those in to five Bs to help us remember them a little bit. So, if you're sitting here and you're, and you're maybe struggling in your, in your walk, you're feeling maybe a little dry and you're like, man, I just don't feel God. I don't know what's going on. I really want that fire that Jeremiah is talking about. I really want that backdraft. I want to explode. I want to tell my friends about, about Christ. I want to tell my coworkers about Christ. I want to tell my family, but I just don't feel it right now. Here's five things. This is our goal as leaders. My goal as a youth pastor to teach the kids. And these are our five B's that kind of go with um, the five G's. And so Backdraft exists for students. And these are your fill in the blanks. Feel free to fill them out if you like. Um, but this is number one. We want, if you want to be a genuine Christian, you have to first believe that you are loved. That you are his beloved child. And if, if, if it doesn't start there, man, you're just going through the motions. It's all about the love of God that he has we love because he first loved us. John three 16, I'm sure everyone knows what that verse is, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. While we were still sinners, what happened? Christ died for us. When we didn't want anything to do with him, he still died for us. Wow, what amazing love. John 1, uh, I have that in there, John 1, or 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason the world does not know him, I'm sorry, the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And so, Ben, if you want to explode on fire for God, if you really want to be on fire for him, and you're maybe you're dry in your faith, man, understand that he loves you. That's where everything is going to start. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you are loved? And that is our passion. That's what we want these students to do when they walk in the doors, that they are loved by God. We want them to understand that. The next one, when you believe that you are loved, the next one we believe um, that they belong to the body of Christ. And that's the growing Christian. You're going to belong to one another. There's a bigger picture out there. You don't go to church to be served, to hear some, some person sing and try to criticize them or to be, oh man, this, this, that. We don't come. The church is a family. We're here to lift one another up and we belong to the body. So we belong to the body of Christ. Romans, Paul talks about it in Romans. We are one body but many parts. Proverbs, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That's what, that's what the body does. But more importantly, John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so we need to be a part of the body. We can believe in the love of God, but we need to belong to one another. We need to belong to the body of Christ. That is where you're going to grow. That's what the, that was the second G, growing. That's where you're going to grow if you belong to one another. If you come here to church and just show up, just to, get, just to get spiritually fed. I, used to, I would used to go to church just to get spiritually fed. But 
This is supposed to be the spark. This is supposed to be the fire where you go home and then you start growing in your relationship with God. And then you start telling people about him. You belong to, we belong to each other, dude. Oh, sorry, and do that. So you believe, dude, if you believe that you're loved, if you honestly believe that you're loved, you're going to want to stick up for one another. The second one, I'm sorry, the second, that was number two. Number three, you're going to become more complete in Christ. And that is a giving Christian. Because why did Christ come? He came to be served, right? No, he came to serve. And that is why we come to church. That is why we hang out with one another, is to serve one another. And that's what Christ is like. We become like Christ. Luke uh, uh, 6, 40. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. That is a verse that I push, that we push together as a leadership team towards all the leaders if they're involved in youth. That you need to... Excuse me, let me see here. My a professor in college told me two things that stuck with me. He says, readers are leaders and readers are leaders. Have you ever heard that? And he also told me to keep my beak in my book. Meaning, put your nose in this thing and study it. Because you just hear what this said? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. We're going to become like Christ is what that's saying. But also, the people that we're discipling, if we're not studying the Bible, if we're not trying to know God, we're only going to take him as far as we know. And so that's why I need to continue to read if I want to make a difference in the students' lives that are around me. If you want to make a difference in your family and anyone around you, you need to read the Bible. When I, I grew up going to Northwest Christian School, and they made us, I should say they made us, we had to memorize verses in class to get points for credit for, in Bible class. I did not like it. I'm going to shamefully admit that I sinned and I cheated sometimes. And I did not like it. I was like, why do we have to memorize the first? Man, this is stupid. I'm like, I hate this. And I complain about it. But to this day, all those verses are still in my head. I still recall them every now and then. God, God's word does not come, come back void. He brings it back to my memory when I need it. And so if we just, even if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, I know maybe I shouldn't say that. But man, God will use it. Yes, God wants your heart. And you want to do things for the right reasons. But... You still need to read the book to know him and to spend time with him. We'll actually talk about that here in a little bit about what that means. So you believe you're loved, dude. You're going to belong to one another. We belong to one another. The next one uh, was becoming like Christ. And when you become like Christ, you're going to boast about him. You're going to brag about him. Jeremiah says, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. Let not the strong man boast in his strength. But let him who boasts, boast in what? Boast in the Lord. Boast in his loving kindness is what it says. But you got to understand that in Acts 1.8, this is the only reason you're going to be able to boast. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And just so you know, we're not sending you to Jerusalem or Samaria. Or any of those. those are metaphorically speaking. Jerusalem is your hometown. Is your, what Darren says, what is that, oikos? The oikos, the people you spend time with. And then it goes on and we continue to go out. But it's the Holy Spirit working in your life. There was times, I'm sure you've been in the same boat, I was scared to share my faith with some, a coworker or a family member or a friend because I was afraid of what they were going to think of me. But it's because I didn't trust that God greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Man, you got the Holy Spirit in you so you can boast about him. If you understood the love that you were part of the body, and that you're becoming like Christ, man. You're going to want to boast about it. Which comes to our, the, that fifth G, which is all for the glory of God. And that is because. 
because of Christ, because of what he did for you, because of his love. We love because he first loved us. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all of the glory of God. It says the same thing in Colossians. We do everything for his glory. And that is why we do backdraft. We want students to explode on fire for God. And so those are, those are our kind of measurements on how to do that. We want them to believe in that they're loved. We want them to be accepted, that they belong to this body, this bigger picture. And when they do that, you'll become more like Christ. And then you're going to want to boast about it. You're going to want to bring your friends. You're going to want to bring your family members to hear about it. Knowing that it is not for your glory. It's not anything about you. But it's because of him. Our theme verse at Desert Breeze. You guys, want, does anyone know it? Want to yell it out? John 10, 10. Living life. It says it on the bottom of the bulletin, I'm assuming. Living life to the fullest. But look at that first part of that John 10, 10. It says the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest or have it to the abundantly, have this great life in him. But a lot of times we totally forget that other part, that it is a war out there. It is a war zone out there. And Satan is trying to pull us down. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life. That Jesus has come that we may have life and have it to the fullest. S-I-N Sin Sin Okay (laughs) Wonder what it is Looks harmless I wonder what it feels like Oh yeah I could get used to this Yeah, what the heck Hey Hello? Oh my gosh, I am so sorry. I'll be right there. I got caught up in something else. Okay. Okay, bye. Oh, I gotta go. I gotta go. I have a meeting. Help! What's wrong? I don't know. I was walking along here and got into the box marked sin and I can't get out. Sinbox. You've heard of it? Heard of it? Yeah. Tried it? No. Do you think you could help me? I don't know. My name's Taylor. Here's my card. I go to their church down the road. Jesus is in the name, and he's part of the game. We have a roller coaster, a skate park, a trampoline. <laughs> That's and... great and all, but can you help me? I actually can't. I have to go set up for a carnivore that we're having in an hour. For our amazing Lord, of course. But... Uh... Goodbye and God bless. Do you need some help? Yes, please, yes. Okay, let's see what I can do. Give your hand. Ow, ow, okay, this isn't working. What did you get yourself into? I don't know. I walked along, saw sin, and I got in. Did you say sin? Yes. That's disgusting. You know, this is all a part of your lifestyle. You're just a sick, demented thing. Oh, I have to spray myself with Lysol. Sin, I can't believe it. Was it something I said? No. Hey, hey, you, hey, buddy, can you give me a hand? Hola. What? Okay. Um, I, I'm Katie. I, I put foot in box and... Oh, foot in box. 
like you've got quite a problem there. Uh, I do. But I'm sure you can't help me either, so just go to your meeting, wash up, spare me the lies of help. I don't understand. You obviously don't see my problem. Read the box. I know you're stuck in sin. I was stuck like that once before. You were? Yeah. How did you get out? Actually, it's pretty easy. Well, then get me out of here! Uh, actually, I can't. I knew it. But I know who can. Well, go get them. He's here. He's here. Oh, I see him. Hi, hello, how are you? Maybe you and your friend should be going now. <laughs> I'm not crazy. Jesus is the only one who can help you. Jesus. Yeah. He died on the cross for your sins. He loves you. He rose again, and he's with us right now. Do you believe he is who he says he is? You can get out of that box. But I can't see him. Can you see the wind? No. Is it there? Yes. It's the same with Jesus. Look, I want to get out of this box. Tell me how this Jesus can help me. You pray. Tell Jesus that you're stuck and can't get out. Tell him that you can't do it on your own and that you need his help to get out of this mess called sin. Okay. Jesus, it's me, Katie. I'm stuck in sin, and I need you. Please deliver me from sin. I'm sorry that I got into sin, and I'll do my very best to stay away from sin. Please help. Amen. Oh my gosh! I'm, I'm free! Now why don't you come with me to church? Sounds great. You're not having a carnival, are you? <laughs> Figure that out. Sorry. That was, that was cool. What I want to do now is we're going to talk about our theme of what we talked about uh, with the students all year. And uh, some you might see these shirts, tag, that was our theme. And you might be thinking, you're telling kids to spray paint, vandalize? Yes, we are. In the name of Jesus. No, this is metaphorically speaking, tag the world. And tag the world, dude, is an acrostic, if that's the word or an acronym or a whatever that word is, together about the gospel. We want to tell our, our goal for the students, of course, it was the five B's. But our theme, our, what we focused on a lot of times throughout the, the Bible studies that we kind of looked at and we talked about was tag the world. Together being about the gospel, telling people about Jesus. We are all by nature followers, every single one of you in this room. Whether you know it or not, we're all following somebody. You got to the point in your life because you followed somebody. The way you're dressed is because you followed someone that way, because you saw the way they dress, you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, the, the way you wear your, the way you wear your glasses, the way, the way, the cars that you drive is because we followed somebody. We saw something, we're like, dude, that is, that is totally cool, man. And so we followed them. Why is influence so powerful? Man, it's, and it's, it's so crazy. Even in, in the youth culture, man, we follow things. And of course, as we get older, we start making our own decisions 
kind of, I think. I still think we follow people. I still think we make decisions because we like certain things, because of the things that we've done over the years. And there's an interesting thing, and maybe you've heard this before, but in the word influence, there's this three-letter word, F-L-U, something that we've been trying to fight off in our house. The flu. Influence is so powerful because it is contagious. Influence, it is a contagious thing. We see the way people are doing it. We, everything jumps on board. The way, I, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the word, the media tries to push things to make us contagious about certain things. Do you know what? There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to, do you know that passage? Leads to death. There's a way that seems right to a man. So our theme, I guess I didn't, didn't get it 100% world correct, but it was, it was hashtag the world. You guys know what a hashtag is? If you're like, if you're not in the social media, it is a pound sign. If you have a phone, it's that little boop, that little number thing, the pound boop. And uh, hashtagging is what you do on Twitter and Instagram when you post a picture. Let's say I go to the Cardinals game with my son and I take a picture of him, Instagram it, and I'll do a little boop and, and I'll put on there, Awesome son, Cardinals game, Cardinals win. And I'll put all these little hashtaggy thingy things on there. And hashtags are, I'll get, it's a form of metadata. And you're like, metadata? It's, a, it's, it's basically a group global conversation where you can actually get on your Twitter account, get on your Instagram account. I don't know what other kind of accounts you can get on that you can hashtag because I'm not hip and cool. Um, but you can click on it and you can see everyone else in the world who posted about the Cardinals won today, or if you took a picture of the sunset, whoever did a sunset, or whatever you took a picture of, or whatever you're talking about. Like you guys watch CNN or Fox News, or watch The Voice, and they say, hashtag The Voice, and you can make a comment about it, and everybody in the world can see that you, ta- you said that. When I first saw hashtags, I was like, what, what is this? I, was on fa- I didn't know what I was doing. I saw it on Facebook, because I was on Facebook, tried to be cool and hip as a youth pastor, and so I was like, oh, I'm going to hashtag some stuff too. So I started hashtagging things on Facebook. And then I was like, why am I doing this? What is the point of this? And so I looked it up and I found what it was, that it was a global conversation. It was a part of metadata. And I realized that Facebook isn't, maybe they are now, maybe I'm out of the loop, but you can't hashtag things in Facebook. You can, but the point of it is so you can click on it and join a global conversation. Be a, be a part of something bigger than what you are. So I was doing this thing to be cool. So people would think, oh man, that's, he's cool, man. Not knowing the reason until I researched it and I found out, wow, that's something totally different. <coughs> Sorry about that. And... I guess, metaphorically speaking, what are we hashtagging? Meaning, what are we talking about? Is there a purpose behind what we're talking about? Is there a purpose behind what we represent? Because that's what a hashtag is. When you're, you're just representing something. You're trying to start a conversation in your life. What kind of conversations are you talking? That's metaphorically speaking I'm talking about. Not just necessarily talking, but living out. What are you identifying yourself with? And that was, this is our theme, this was our theme through the year. Hashtag the world. Tag us together about the gospel. Keyword together. We can't do this Christian life alone. T- 
together about the gospel. So I threw th- um, four things down that we learned throughout the year. Kind of, we kind of sporadically threw it out. Um, but how we can actually ad- adequately go tell people about the gospel. And don't do, and as I said in Proverbs, there's a way that seems right. Like I thought I was doing the right thing because I was trying to fit into the culture. But it, there's no point to it. There's a way that seems right, but it ends in death. Yes, I'm hashtagging on Facebook is not going to lead to death. But there's a way that seems right. We think we're doing things for the right reason. We think we're following Christ, or we might we think we're doing these certain things, but it ends in the way of death. So there's four things I want to th- you can throw on your notes if you'd like. So how do, we, how do we make a difference in this world? How do you make a difference in your coworkers, your family members? How do we go out there and together be about the gospel. Number one, I think this is where everything starts. And if we miss this first one, you're gonna miss everything, I believe. The first one is kneeling or praying. Paul talks about pray without ceasing, meaning pray without stopping. And if we try to go out there and tag the word, tell people about Jesus and try to represent, if we don't pray first, man, yes, God can still do things through you without praying but man, if you don't know, if you're not on your knees, and I encourage you, this is going to sound weird, but I encourage you to actually, literally kneel. Get on your face. It might sound weird. Maybe you've never done that, but it is a humbling experience. And yes, that's just an outer, outward expression of your prayer life. And I'm not saying when you're at Starbucks and you're saying, oh, Ryan said to pray. Get on your face in Starbucks in the middle of the floor as people are ordering and walking over you. I'm not talking about when you're at work, but... Jesus said he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed by himself. When you're alone, when you're talking to God, get on your knees. It's just an outward expression. Just like, I guess to give an illustration, if, if you came into church before and see people raising their hands and been like, why are they raising their hands? Okay, I'll do the same thing, sweet. In Psalms, it talks about we come with open arms, open hands, lifted high. It is an outward expression saying, God, I surrender my life to you. That's what that is. Baptism, is an, it is an outward expression of how much you love God. And so kneeling, if we want to tag the world, dude, it starts with kneeling, getting on your knees. I want to read this verse. Um, if you have your Bibles, feel free to open up. I want to, we're going to actually kind of do some speed uh, flipping here in a second. Um, or if you just have a, your cool little iPhone pad thingamadigger, you can just kind of beep, click it real quick and it'll go right there. It's kind of cool. But if you don't, open up your Bible. We're going to read Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. I'm going to read it real quick. And this is huge on, on prayer. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. This is a famous passage that everybody quotes. But I, sometimes we don't read that, the passages that follow. Check this out. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Did you see that one key part? You will seek me and you will find me and seek me with all your heart. If we want to tag the world, if we want to tell people, if we want to represent, if we want to be on fire for God, it starts with a prayer. It starts with getting on your face and kneeling and seeking him with all your heart. The next one, when you start to kneel before God, when you start to pray with with God, you're gonna start to know him. What's the best way to know somebody? Is to hang out with them, right? 
I made the mistake of, uh, I hope Aaron doesn't care that I share this. There, was, there would be like a week go by where we wouldn't even hang out and talk. But we would sit and watch TV together. Or maybe we'd be each surfing the internet, looking up our cool phones and looking at things, Facebook and whatever. And I thought we were spending time together. And then she, she confronts me. He's like, why haven't we spent time together? And I was like, we've been sitting on the same couch for the last week and a half. Doesn't that count? Same with God. We think we're spending time with God because we go to church, we go to a small group. This thing is called God's word for a reason. And if you do it, if you want to know God, you got to open up, get your beak in the book, read it. Yes, it's important to pray, but you need to hear from God. And God's not always going to verbally talk to you like we think, but open up his word. It's called his word for a reason, dude. So if you want to know God, John 10, 14 says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Paul prayed this prayer to the Colossians because they're, they're, they're going, there's these, um, man, man, I'm having this brain fart here. False teachers, wow, there we go. False prophets, false people trying to tell them about different things. And he's like, you know what? Since I've heard about this, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He was praying for them. And that's what my prayers for you and myself is that we understand where God is and we pray that we know him. And that is by spending time with him. The next one, when you start to kneel before God, you're gonna know him. The next thing, you're gonna start to follow him and do the things that he does. You're gonna, do the, you're gonna start to follow the people that are following him. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, as, as it says in Hebrews, let us lay aside every sin and weight that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance towards Christ. We're gonna follow him but we see the people that have represented, we see our fellow Christians that are around us and we can see them and we can spur, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And so when you start to follow men, the next one is you're gonna to start to lead. You're gonna be a leading Christian. That's the next fill, fill in the blank. You're gonna be a leading Christian. You're gonna be a kneeling Christian. You're gonna be a knowing Christian. You're gonna be a following Christian, but then men, you're gonna be a leading Christian. Knowing that we already lead people, but are we leading them in the right direction? And you're going to be able to say this as it says in Acts 20, 24. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and my ministry that I received from the Lord to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. But understand our theme verse, it does a breeze. We could be a kneeling, knowing, following, and leading Christian. But when we start to take steps to follow, to follow him, if we want to be on fire for him, John 10, 10, the thief comes to make your life awesome. No, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy you. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy you. He wants to make your life uncomfortable. If you're going to follow Christ, if you're going to be trying to pray, there's going to be a distraction. If you want to open up your word, there's going to be something that's going to distract you from doing that. And so, if we can just get on our face before God then we're going to know him. Then we're going to want to open up his word. Then we're going to follow those who follow him. We're going to be in communion together. We're going to be able to be a family. We're going to belong to one another, like our, the five Bs, a growing Christian. And then you're going to be leading people. Then you're going to be able to go out and tag the world. You're going to be able to share your faith. But it is hard as beyond get out because Satan is the thief. He's coming to kill, steal, and destroy. But remember the promise. But I, Jesus, he has come that you and I can have life and have it to the fullest.
want you guys uh, stand with me as we close in prayer. Just know this, John 10, 10, our theme verse of Desert Breeze, a thief comes to kill, comes to steal, he comes to destroy. But what is his promise? He has come that we may have life and have it to the fullest. And so if we want to go out there and tag the world, if we want to be together as a church about the gospel, about his love, that focus, it starts with his love. It starts with him that he has given us that promise. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this opportunity that we get to be here with you, sing songs for you, open up your word, and just get to know you more, God. I just pray that when we leave here, we, uh, we leave changed people and that, that we want to go just show your love, the, the difference in your life that you're making in our life, God. But I just, uh, I pray that you just reveal yourself more and more to us every day. Open up our eyes to the things that are bringing us down, that are clinging to us. And I just pray that we run with perseverance to your love, to you, God. We just thank you so much, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you guys. You guys have a good week.